0: first time in several weeks 100% due to me canceling and rescheduling is miss Claire Lopez who's been on here before 20 year CIA veteran Lopez LLC Liberty Lopez Lopez L- Liberty L- Not important recently had her birthday happy birthday Claire and thank you Tommy it's great to be back with you Of course and um yeah been a while since we talked but we're getting back into it um for all future listeners today is Thursday December 9th 2021 a lot of things going on right now but uh i feel like i've maybe beaten covid to a pulp with 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 guests recently so i'm going to maybe Wish. jump to something else i know right um kind of the biggest you know i was watching the most recent interview you did with uh what was it uh was it a uh, uh atp american, american
1: truth, truth project with yeah. Barry Nussbaum yeah yeah i
0: was just watching that um but i realized that was from I don't know, maybe 15 days ago.
1: Yeah, I'm behind as well, getting them out to show people. Yeah, it was that long ago, I'm afraid.
0: So so not obviously, so not, not included in there was what's going on right now with Ukraine. And there's kind of, you know, Biden saying nothing's off the table. And at the same time saying American troop deployments off the table, Ukraine saying that we couldn't withstand the Russian invasion. It's it's all what is going on right now because you always have an an ability to kind of cut through all the bullshit in a way that i could only envy and kind of say exactly what is going on i i fall trapped to all the this is happening and this is happening and you know i i grasp my pearls but you always kind of you have a cold calculated ability you know pearl clutching you know freaking out about something that you wore
1: pearls well you know
0: well i gotta look pretty how (laughs) else am i gonna compete with these guys but yeah, yes. so what is going on right now with Ukraine?
1: Right. So um, the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, is massing troops once again on the border of Ukraine. That would be Ukraine's eastern border with Russia and threatening uh, to all appearances and invasion. Now, there is a slice of eastern Ukraine uh, territory that's called the Donbas, which is just that eastern region there, where many Russian speakers live and where uh, Putin already has infiltrated a lot of militia fighters, um, not in Russian uniform, but but, but they're Russian, um, and is threatening to carve off that, that section of, of Ukraine. Um, now, the thing is that Ukraine's not a member of NATO so NATO members have no treaty obligation to come to its defense. Uh, but around Ukraine's periphery, along its borders, are a number of NATO members, which would then, in the case of Ukraine being overrun, be directly exposed to an expansionist Russia. And you might have seen that I tweeted recently, um, you know, that even though we have, we have NATO, We have no treaty obligation to do anything for Ukraine. Um, It's not just about Ukraine non-NATO member anymore, as I tweeted today, that it was about the Sudetenland, just about the Sudetenland, or just about Czechoslovakia back in the time. And we said, never again, didn't we?
0: Yeah.
1: Now, I don't know if Putin actually would, will go through with a land invasion of Ukrainian sovereign territory. I think it's a lot more likely that he'll continue to use these proxy militias to try to carve off that Eastern region of Ukraine sort of de facto. Um, But because the entire world you know, friends and allies and partners as well as our adversaries and enemies perceive a lot of weakness. I think I've called it a pile of limp spaghetti more than once in the White House. They're pushing it. They're pushing to see how far they can go before somebody stands up to them and they meet something more like steel than pudding. And so it's it's a little bit uncertain at the moment what what will happen. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I would say this. I've heard some um, commentary by U.S. leadership, um, who shall remain nameless, but let's say congressional members, um, you know, talking about this, you know, nothing is off the table and first strike nuclear use is not off the table. I think that's reckless. Yeah, that's I don't good. think you say that. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, it's prudent to say that. Um, however to say, uh, we stand with Ukraine. We will impose the most stringent and expanded sanctions against Russia should Russia go ahead with an invasion. We will um, supply Ukraine with defensive um, means to to, to stand up for itself. I think that would be appropriate. And then also, um, you know, bringing in other nato members who would be exposed uh you know at that point on the front lines were ukraine to fall to russia like it you know had in the past um you know enlist their support uh to do the same kind of thing we will join together in supporting ukraine we will join together in backing stringent sanctions we will join together in opposing and shutting down the Nord Stream pipeline, that sort of thing. We will supply uh, Eastern, Western, Europe with the energy needs like natural gas that they may need this winter uh, if that pipeline should get shut down. These are the kinds of things I would do.
0: Almost, if you will, a a brilliant answer as always, almost, if you will, uh, like a Berlin airlift-esque energy deliverance and the idea of if you're in this sea of hostility you know we'll 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 create this yeah if you're cut
1: off from from you know it's absolutely necessary to face the coming winter yeah um i know it's geographically less convenient to ship over from let's say north america than to bring it through that pipeline uh land overland from from uh from from russia but if you get cut off, we're not going to let you freeze this winter. We'll do whatever we need to do to help you to get through the winter with the energy supplies you need.
0: Yeah, and I feel, and again, in my thirty-one years and being a biology major, and no means, of, you know, some West Point grad, I, I get what I get. Everything I'm saying is wild speculation. But I also feel like the, the outright threat of of nuclear war is, I, I to me, it, it's not even. I wouldn't even say reckless, so much as it's just to me. That's kind of limp spaghetti because everyone knows we're not going to do that. Everyone knows we're not going to yeah. we're not going to do it.
1: We're well, just, I, I I should hope not. But yeah. it's, I think it's it's very irresponsible and sure. yes, reckless. Sure. To even speak words like that.
0: No, sure. It's uh,
1: whether you mean it or not. Either way.
0: Yeah, it, and and it kind of what it, what it does is it kind of diminishes the weight of words though when you say. Yeah. You know, it's like if, you know, my I remember one time my little brother was getting picked on by this guy at our high school, my older brother, who's built like a brick shithouse. Uh, I remember he, I think he. Oh, yeah. No, I think I, he, he was. He, my older brother's insane. He uh, he like picked the guy up by his neck or something. And I remember. But it was like but it was like a very realistic threat. This kid was new and everyone kind of knew my older brother is just this sort of stoic like he'll do it. But. And I remember my little brother telling the guy that was picking on him, he was like, hey, my little brother's going to come, like, hit you. And everyone knew that was a valid threat. Now, if he had said something like, you know, I'm going to, you know, some almost like a childish thing, like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to beat you up and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to blow you up. And it's like that doesn't it doesn't mean kind anything. Like a Joe
1: Biden kind of a threat. Well, Take him off back of the barn and that's you what know, that sort of thing.
0: That's what I mean. Is you know when, him Yeah, when I when I was a bouncer at bars, maybe this is a better analogy, and you'd see kind of two guys talking shit and you know, one would say like do you want to take it outside and the other would be like, "Yes." And then the guy that proposed it would collapse cuz he was like I wasn't banking on him saying yes. So what do you do mm, when mm. you have these sort of absurd uh these absurd threats you can and, and you're probably not going to back hey, egg on my face if you do launch a nuke. But you're probably not going to. It also kind of diminishes things. So there's a lot you can do, and like you said, with appeasement, you know, yeah, the Sudeten line and Liebenstrom, like, yeah, there's there is this sort of precedent where it's like we know it can't happen. We know it, appeasement, you know, the early bird gets the worm. You know, a penny a penny saved is a penny earned, and you know, appeasement doesn't work. There's, but the the, the belligerent force, in my opinion, sort of has a leg up in that no one wants war like no one everyone deep down inside is like if we could just give them a peace, it'd be so much easier you know like china it's on their side that like they could probably make a move on taiwan because the rest of the world really wants no part of it but at the same time you know if if you don't draw the line there where do you draw the line and so i i mean i don't know again i there's someone with no experience in this but is that what you think it would have to be not to reiterate what you just said but would it have to be the equivalent of we'll provide, you know, like lend lease in World War II or the equivalent of the Berlin airlift? Like we'll provide energy, we'll provide weapons as opposed to, I guess, the optics of, you know, just sending in the U.S. military, especially when we're only a couple months removed from that that well, well orchestrated and, you know, completely harmless withdrawal from Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, no, I um,
1: I I think there are a lot of ways to convey credibility. The credibility of deterrence that would work and i don't honestly think that putin really wants a land war in the in in the middle of i don't know the eurasian continent i don't think he does any more than i think china actually wants to invade taiwan they don't they want us to collapse and just let them have their way without actually going to kinetic warfare okay that's what they want
0: okay so is there, so what is it just, is it a waiting game? I mean, is it Casper Weinberger with uh Soviet union saying we're going to spend them into the ground? Is it just, is that what they're doing? Are they just waiting for the American empire to collapse so they can just waltz on in and how, if so, how is that different than what they've been doing for the last 10 or 20? Well,
1: no, I mean, they've, they've obviously, you know, ramped things up in, yeah. in these last 10 uh, months or, or, or so. Um, as as I said before, pushing it, pushing it. See how far they can go. See what they can get without yeah. provoking an actual all out violent kinetic war. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Bluffing their way into what they want, um, uh, knowing how weak the Biden White House is, um, but but they don't they don't really want a, a shooting hot war. They don't.
0: Yeah what would be do you think that this could possibly open up a situation where ukraine joins nato are they allowed to Well, see
1: that no I, I, and i think that would be a mistake also i know that they want to i know that ukraine wants to join nato and this is exactly what the kremlin opposes so so strongly uh they fear a nato member right on their border Ukraine would be. Uh, Ukraine right now is a kind of a buffer. You know, on the other side of Ukraine, you've got what? Romania, you've got Bulgaria, you've got, uh, uh, you know, the other members of NATO in the region. But Ukraine remains pro-Western, but a buffer that is not a NATO member. And that's probably the way we should leave it. That's probably the way Putin wants to leave it. Um, but, but at the same time, we have to uh, be credible enough with uh, meaningful uh, measures, retaliatory members that we will undertake uh, if he pushes in further. It's a fine line that, 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 that has to be walked. Putin has to believe that we'll stand with Ukraine not necessarily sending troops in, we we won't do that, but standing with Ukraine uh, in all the ways I just mentioned before, uh, strongly enough to make it not worth his while, not worth Putin's while uh, to, to provoke a hot shooting war. That Ukrainians would have enough defense uh, capability, thanks to what we give them, sell them, um, that it would be more than Putin wants to take, wants to bite off, you know, too much to, to digest.
0: Not worth his while. It's, yeah.
1: So, and, and then at the same time, they'll leave them as a buffer. Yeah. Pro Western. They are. Kiev is. Um, but not NATO.
0: So, yeah. So, okay. So you kind of want to leave, leave it as like a DMZ. You can't want to, as the.
1: Sort of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, so, now if that's what we both want, if we want if we don't want to be you know sort of touching the border of Russia and vice versa, they don't want a NATO nation to be touching their border, what exactly is Putin's what is his end goal then if he is trying to provoke us to because again in my in my military well he's mind,
1: trying to see if we'll leave Ukraine dangling out there, in which case he probably would slice off the donbas using proxy militia.
0: And keep the rest as a buffer? Yeah, maybe. Okay. I
1: don't think he wants to march all the way to Kiev. That would be, he He will not do that. Okay, well that, that's, I what, think.
0: that's what I was trying to piece together. You know, what? what is his end goal? Does he want, because it seems like. Yeah,
1: he'll take the Donbas if if we let him. Okay. Right, I think. Through proxies.
0: Okay, yeah. That are
1: already there and already fighting. I mean, it already is a hot war for some people. That's,
0: what's, um, that's what started him. sorry.
1: He won't, he won't march all the way west to Kiev or the rest of Ukraine. Uh, And I think I've talked about this on your show before, that I I consider Crimea a different case.
0: Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Why why is that?
1: Uh, Because of history. So uh, historically, uh, Crimea, centuries back, had been conquered by the jihadist Ottoman Empire of Turkey. And it was occupied by these jihadis. And Catherine the Great of Russia liberated it, liberated Crimea, which were Slavic people. They they weren't um, Turkish people. They were were Slavic people. Liberated them from the Jihadi Turks. And forever grateful, Crimea uh, joined Russia and became part of Russia and wanted to be part of Russia. And... That was pretty much the situation up through the communist era, past the 1917 revolution. But then in the middle 1950s, about 1954, if I recall, Nikita Khrushchev of the then USSR, for whatever reason, uh, decided to gift the Crimea to Ukraine. Now, at that time, Ukraine, just like Russia, was one of the Soviet Socialist Republics within the USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. So it didn't make a whole lot of difference in the whole, um, the entirety, that is, until 1991, when the USSR broke up geographically. And then, as Ukraine went free... Crimea was dragged with it. They didn't want to be dragged with it. They wanted to be Russian. A referendum showed that overwhelmingly the people of Crimea wanted to be with Russia. But they were dragged along with Ukraine because of the breakup of the USSR. And so because of for that, Putin kind of had a an excuse, if you will, to grab it. Okay. now uh he met with you know uh pearl clutching, as you might say, but but no not much other you know response um but again, I think that Crimea is a different case. I think it should have could have been settled differently uh a referendum for for example, and I also think that uh russia uh taking Crimea back. Uh, then gaining, you know, these uh, ports and access on the Black Sea and in a position, if you remember the geography mm-hmm. um, of the Sea of Azov, Warm water. Uh, and then and then through the Kerch Straits that lead out into the Black Sea, you know, to dominate and threaten those international waters in that strait, the Kerch Strait. Um, that was, a, you know, a, a consequence um, I don't know, if foreseen or not, certainly foreseen by Russia, but foreseen by by the rest, I don't know. But um not acceptable that Russia should, you know, be in a in a position to threaten international shipping in the Sea of Ozov, the Kurtz Strait, or on out into the Black Sea, uh, where other NATO states like Romania and Bulgaria border. Um, but all that said, that that that's why I hold crimea differently uh than i talk about ukraine uh you know the the whole of ukraine or even eastern ukraine
0: okay so if i'm ukraine i'm looking at it as you know they both want me as a buffer russia wants donbass nato doesn't want me in because they want a buffer but I mean, just just looking at it like game theory, if I'm leading, you, I got to get the most from my people and I want to join NATO, could they try to use this to their own advantage and be like, look, we're going to completely collapse and not be able to stop Russia, and now they're going to be touching y'all, and now it's going to be the very thing you dreaded, having a NATO country touching Russia, could they sort of be like hey we're not going to stop anything if he wants to go to kiev i'm not going to risk my people well they
1: will i mean they'll fight well yeah yeah i mean these kinds of discussions might be going on behind the scenes i don't know uh but the ukrainians will not just allow russia to march on kiev no yeah i mean they're fighting already to push them out of the donbas out of the eastern regions. yeah they're definitely not going to allow a full fledged invasion without opposition, they'll 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 fight, yeah. whether they can stand up to them or not, they'll fight.
0: Yeah, I guess as they I guess.
1: should, as
0: they absolutely, absolutely, yeah, national. no, I'm not saying they shouldn't, absolutely, no, that, that's yeah. yeah, that's your sovereignty, but I mean, it seems, and this again, in, in my short life, but it seems like every X number of years, we kind of see a we see the Russian bear kind of poking a claw. It's Georgia, and then several years later, it's Crimea. And then several years later, now it's Donbass. I mean, eventually you got to look at it and go, so we want Ukraine to remain a buffer. And I know Crimea, Georgia, but, but eventually they, they're going to keep pushing until the very thing that we're trying to use the bu- buffer as a preservation for not having a NATO country touching Russia. Eventually it's going to be here anyway. So it's it's like that saying, change change in the way you want while you still can instead of changing because you have to. If the end game is going to be Russia touching a NATO country, why not get out in front of it and make it happen on our terms? Again, as an armchair general.
1: I, 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 yeah, I, I don't think we want to be provocative yeah. in a way. I mean, there's no reason why we have to be a daggers drawn, um, with Moscow all the time. We, we don't. Yeah. There are areas and things, you know, on which in areas in which we, we can talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, of course, we'll recall, of course, that that, that Putin has, has said that the biggest disaster of his lifetime was the collapse of the USSR.
0: Well that yeah, that's a huge part.
1: And and he wants to reestablish that influence over the what he would consider the near abroad for Russia.
0: Cool.
1: And and that's what he's doing. I mean, like he hasn't got enough to take care of already. Well, um, you know, he, he looks he looks westward and, and, and sees um NATO and he, he doesn't want NATO any closer and he doesn't want any of his near abroad uh to be any more sympathetic to close to NATO.
0: Well like any great leader, and I say that sarcastically, why address the problems at home when you can just create a bubble of expansionism and ride on that wave? It it that's a huge part though is looking at like looking at his psychology, and again not as a doctor, but I mean it's like, well, what does the guy want? Is this a Nobel? Peace, uh, no, this is a guy, a KGB agent who said the worst thing of his life. I mean, it's like, it's like how how embarrassed Hitler was after World War One, and we're like, you know, who's this Hitler guy, and he wants the Sudetenland? Well, actually, he's he has never been more disgusted. He said the worst day of his life. He said, for him. The war never end. He said the worst day of the war for him was the Treaty of Versailles, I think. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this guy who sees, you know, Germany, the Teutonic World Reich as his destiny and his right. Oh, that's the guy we're giving land to. So it's and again, not to immediately go up to literally Hitler. But when you're looking at a guy who does feel, you know, his the Soviet Union collapsed and it's the worst thing that happened in his life. And now we're looking at Georgia, Crimea, Donbass again it, where's this going like you know how can and I, i'm with you we don't need to have daggers drawn not everything needs to be a this trillion. did not
1: happen uh the ukraine itself was not threatened this way when president trump was in office touche china was not flying fighter jets into and over taiwanese airspace when trump was in office touche um It's a perception thing about uh, where the United States is and the entire world. As I said before, friends and enemies alike, they see the United States as collapsing right now, literally collapsing. And they see a window of opportunity Mm -hmm. because they know Trump's coming back, but they got to get what they can get, whatever they can get as fast as they can now, just like the Democrats, the Democrat Party. Get yeah. it now because, you know, you're you're going to be stymied, um, you know, coming
0: up. It's like when you get a substitute teacher in like middle school and not like when you have a sub for like a day or two. But when, you know, like a teacher would get pregnant or something or something would happen and we, ha- we have a substitute teacher for like a month or two months. But it wasn't that like the original teacher left. There was just this temporary gap. I mean, I remember in sixth grade. I forget what his name was, but he was in the F- He had retired from the FBI, and I think they called him back because he had some expertise in something I don't remember. And uh, but he was like our seventh grade like grammar teacher or something. And I remember he left, and he was a total hard ass. And he left for like two months, and we had kind of you know had like a nice sub, but we you know little shit eating grin seventh graders, you know, we took our Donbass, we took our Taiwan we did everything we wanted and we knew it was coming back and we knew it was coming to an end. So we kind of, we got ours while we could knowing full well that eventually it came it's back. It's
1: human nature, right? Yeah. I mean, be it kids
0: you? like you guys or, or countries or a Putin or a Xi Jinping. Why wouldn't you? Or an Ayatollah yeah. in Iran. And, and there's no one to blame but ourselves. I mean, we, sure we can sit here and say you shouldn't invade, but when in the course of all of human history, has that ever worked out? No, you, you, you you carry a big stick. That's the only way. That's the horrible truth is.
1: But they have to believe that you're going to use the stick, not exactly, just carry it. Exactly. The other side has to believe that you will use that stick if they cross that line and make sure they know what that line is. And we're not doing that right now.
0: So so let's say let's say all the sanctions happen. Let's say we dial it up to 11. We do it and none of this stops. And I know you don't have a crystal ball. I just had on Dr. Malone and I was asking him, I was like, where are the vaccines going? And he was like, as always, Tommy, you asked me for the crystal ball. And I was like, I was like, that's a very accurate response. And I realized I do that with you as well. I'm like, Claire, what are the world's problems and how we solve them? And you're like, dude, I have 10 minutes. I wish. I wish I could tell you. But how does this play out? How does this? What if we do sanctions and it doesn't work? Or if, you know, know we still still got like 25 minutes left. If you don't even want to talk about Ukraine anymore, what else is on your mind? Because it's been a while since we talked.
1: Well, I mean, we we can talk the same kinds of themes, you know, with regard to Iran, uh, you know, driving pell mell for a deliverable nuclear weapon, even as they um, the regime's uh, diplomatic uh, team, negotiating team, um, plays games w- with with the rest of the JCPOA team uh, in Vienna. You know, we could talk about Xi Jinping. Um, pushing the envelope out need East Asia, testing a hypersonic glide
0: vehicle. Let's do that. that. Um, I want to do that. What do what do, okay, okay, what, what, we'll do that. that's, that's my hypersonic. What, what all do you think about that? And is there actually aptly, is it pro clutching on our part that, cause I, I mean, do we not have something like that? We launched that DARPA launched the HTV two in 2000, in April, 2010, and that went mock 23. The high-test flight, the high-test vehicle. Got absolutely
1: routing. nothing okay. that's been tested successfully on the scale of what China has now tested, a hypersonic glide vehicle, what Russia has tested, a hypersonic cruise missile. We don't – not only do we not have them, at least in the proven stage, we don't have a defense against them.
0: Oh well, yeah, that's when You're just- talking
1: about hyper – you know – mock whatever
0: mock five and up yeah
1: uh, five and up ten um we don't have a defense we we don't have anything that can stop it not only you know is it that kind of speed but it's the way it flies and 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 here's a couple things um it it, the, the, the hypersonic glide vehicle that they that they tested um uh uses what's called a Uh, No, 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 you just described a ballistic missile pathway. That's not what they're doing. They are using a fractional orbital bombardment system pathway, which is um, a uh, a hypersonic glide vehicle, of course, is launched in the air, whereas a cruise missile from Mm -hmm. ground. Um, But what it does is it, if you will, bounces back and forth between the upper atmosphere and actually the outer reaches or the well, I don't know what, reaches of space uh-huh. itself. And it bounces back and forth um, it, it, at these super, you know, super high speeds, these Mach 5, 10, whatevers. Uh, and at the same time, because each of these vehicles has within it gyroscopes, like three or whatever gyroscopes inside of it, which can be adjusted in flight. So not only is it bouncing up and down but between the atmosphere and space that's the fractional orbital part um it can also uh swerve and change direction at those speeds oh yeah and by the way also um the chinese demonstrated that at those speeds in the middle of these different um you know speeds and 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 course you know um swerving around it can launch a missile It can launch a missile in flight while it's doing all of that. Oh, and one more thing, it comes up at us like the old Soviet concept of fractional orbital bombardment system out of a polar trajectory Uh that is coming out of the South Pole, over the North Pole, around, up out of the South Pole. And why? Because all of our defenses here point North and West, NORAD, Northcom, our defenses point toward the North Pole, Yep. you know, China, North Korea, Russia. But along our Gulf Coast and our Atlantic Coast, zero, zero radar, zero land-based missile defense, zero. Now, they've known this for a long, long time. They just refuse to do anything about it. But that's the other part of fractional orbital bombardment system. It comes up out of the South. Where they know
0: yeah.
1: we have no defenses.
0: So it's like the archer shooting the knight with the arrow, in like the one spot where there isn't any metal, get right into the something. armor. Yeah,
1: something, something like that. Yeah, kind of. So yeah, this is a very serious threat. Um, it is something that we do not have in our arsenal, at least tested, proven at that level, and we have no defense against it right now.
0: Little, not, I wouldn't maybe say a fun fact, perhaps it's the wrong adjective. Did you know mm-hmm. that the Nazis were developing and they called it the Silbervogel, which uh, stood for silver? Well, that's
1: why we took all the Nazi scientists yeah. after, yeah, during and after the war and brought them over here.
0: Yeah, the Silbervogel was going to be an antipodal bomber that bounced off the atmosphere and they were trying to launch it in like 1944. So, you know, we snagged that guy and brought him back, and that indirectly led to the X 20, which led to the space shuttle. But, yeah, it. I remember watching a video not that long ago, though, and it was talking about hypersonics as a destabilizing technology. So it kind of seems like the only way all of this, right, because, you know, one power gets a nuke, the United States, like that's destabilizing. When Russia got one, yes, we went into the Cold War. We were always on the brink of thermonuclear Armageddon. But there is a stabilizing aspect to...
1: Mad. It was called mad, yeah, yeah. wasn't
0: it? Well, it's madness, yeah. But, mutual yeah, mutual destruction. destruction. Yeah. It seems like you almost need that with hypersonics. Is like, okay, they now have it. Cat's out of the bag. We have to have it. And you might, again, in armchair general, It might like ICBMs, resistance might almost be futile. So the most you can do is let them know that they're also futile that will come up well, I mean soon. at the
1: very minimum we need a defense
0: yeah
1: we need a way to defend against that weapon and we don't have it right now and I don't know you know at what stage they are in working on it but woefully behind the Chinese um who are ahead of us in more than one area maybe they're ahead of us in space technology they're ahead of us in artificial intelligence they're ahead of us in hologram technology they're ahead of us. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, plus we let them make all of our pharmaceuticals or nearly all 90% of our drugs and medical equipment. Um, I, I mean, this is, this has just been absolutely suicidal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with that, also to go on uh, your, your video, What was it, uh, Biden most certainly, I can't, I see the initials in my head, I can't, Biden most certainly to join J-something, something something about Iran and their nuclear warhead. Oh, the
1: JCPOA? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Joint
1: Comprehensive Plan of Action, or just call it the nuclear deal with Iran. Okay. He wants to, but here's the thing. He desperately wants to, and so many of the people inside of the Biden administration are retreads from the Obama years, Mm -hmm. and they've just been brought back. You know, Anthony Blinken at Secretary of State, for example, um, uh, you know, um, Jake Sullivan at uh, the, the National Security Council, um, uh, National Security Advisor, and so on. Um, Avril Haines at, um, at the uh, DNI, at the ODNI. Um, you know, so these are the same people um, that were trying to, you know, wreck America back in the Obama years. Well, they're, they're back in now. And and they they want to chalk this up to, you know, their, I don't know, diplomatic column or something to get back into the uh, nuclear accord. But here's the thing. Uh, Since July of 2015, when that accord was reached, uh, it's been six years plus now. And Iran has just busted out of every provision of that accord. They are enriching more uranium than allowed. They are enriching uranium to a far higher percentage of enrichment than allowed. They were supposed to be up to 3.67%. They openly have talked about enriching to 60%, which actually you could make a bomb out of that. But ideal is weapons grade above 90% enrichment of uranium. Uh, So they're doing that. Um, they are installing much more advanced, faster, uh, better centrifuges. They're up to the sixth generation. You'll hear it called IR-6, when they were only supposed to be at an IR-1. Oh, Jesus. They have installed centrifuges at Fardal, uh that underground, under-mountain um, enrichment site, which... They were not supposed to do, according to the terms of, uh, of the uh, accord, the JCPOA. Um, what else? They are fashioning, uh, milling uranium metal, which has no other use except for fashioning uh, the hemispheres of a nuclear bomb. They're doing that. And this, everything I just mentioned, that's all open. This is what... For example, the IAEA knows about, International Atomic Energy Agency monitoring body of the UN, right? That's what they know about, but they're not being allowed in. Oh, that, that's another provision. Oh, oh, I forgot this one. Um, in, in some of these suspicious sites, uh, where the IAEA had installed cameras to keep an eye on things, um, in the absence of actually on the ground inspectors, Um, the Iranians busted the cameras, they broke them. And the IAEA has protested, put the cameras back, restore them put, put new camera and they just, they don't do it. Like it's, you know, you want us to do what, you know, I know this is a family show, so I won't say what they're saying, but.
0: It's not a family, um, no part of this. They're no basically
1: saying, you know, go pound sand. Okay, put it that way, yeah. go pound sand. So every provision, you know, of the JCPOA that was agreed to by the P5 plus one, P5 means the five permanent members of the United Nations Security Council being uh, Russia, China, France, Britain, U.S., plus one, and that's Germany. Um, even they are now becoming unsettled, uh, let's put it that way, they're they're becoming concerned, worried. Um, But they're still in these stupid talks over in Vienna where, by the way, uh, the U.S. is not even present, is not allowed to be present in the same room, like face-to-face across the table. The U.S. delegation, no, 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 the U.S. delegation is across the hall in some other room. They're not allowed to be in the same room. So what happens is, uh, you know, when they act, the the talks are are broken off at the moment now, but when they were ongoing and if they start up again, the Europeans go into the room and the EU has a representative there too. They go into the room with the Iranians and then they come out and, and and they tell the little naughty boys out in the hallway, okay, this is what we said and that's what they said. And then they go back in the room and the U.S. has to sit out in the hallway. And we've agreed to this. We're allowing this to happen, so uh this is this is where we are, and uh, you know at, at the same time, and th- this is what's so dangerous, not just that the U.S is perceived as you know a pile of pudding, which it is right now. That's destabilizing enough, but there's Israel. yeah, and Israel, of course, is in the bullseye.
0: and they don't take no shit.
1: And they would be the first target for the regime in Tehran, you know, once it decides to launch a nuclear weapons strike, it would be at Tel Aviv Yeah. Um, and, you know, the rest of Israel, which is not very big. It's a small country. Um, so over the past months, I would say a good year now, I have heard Israeli leadership, and, and this, this spans the time from when... Benjamin Netanyahu is still prime minister to the, to the current time with the new coalition where Naftali Bennett heads the coalition and Benny Gantz is defense minister, same, same. The leadership political and the leadership military has been speaking in more and more, uh, I mean, forthright terms. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, clear forthright terms we are exploring other means we are exploring other measures nothing is off the, and they're holding they're they're conducting um training exercises with their jets
0: yeah you have i to. mean they're
1: openly openly saying you cross the red line and israel knows what its red line is oh, yeah. now, they don't say out loud what it is i suspect it's probably at the point that iran begins to attach its warheads, and I think they have warheads probably between 5 and 10 by now, when they begin to attach those uh, to the nose cones of their missiles, which have also been tested, we know they have them. At that point, uh, Israel would have to go. It's existential for Israel, with or without the U.S. behind them.
0: And that's the important part is...
1: That's the
0: destabilizing part. Because Israel, and and I say this, and I don't say this as a criticism of them. I mean, in in 10 minutes, I'm having on Howard Bloom. Uh, He's an author. He's wrote a ton of books. He's a brilliant guy. But we're talking about his book today, The Muhammad Code, which is an entire tome about the, not only is it okay for them to kill Jews, it is their divine duty to slaughter them. Israel has, we're, we're, we are the, we are the fire department. And right now, uh, right now, Israel's is one guy with a fire extinguisher running into the World Trade Center. It's like, hey, whether or I mean, not you come with me, I'm going up there because I have to start putting this out. That's what's going to yeah, happen. For, for
1: it, their own survival. For their own You're survival. Right, absolutely.
0: It's, Jew
1: hatred is doctrinal to Islam. Essential, it is a doctrine of the faith. Fundamental. That doesn't mean every single Muslim follows that or sure. believes that or acts on that. They don't. But it is doctrine.
0: But enough and do. there's no
1: getting away from
0: that. Enough do follow that, and enough who are actively pursuing nuclear weapons. Sure, some don't. I mean, one of the guys I have on here a lot, his, his wife is his wife is Muslim. She's the kindest woman in the world. She doesn't hate Jews. She also doesn't have a desire for nuclear weapons. No. The other two that do, yeah, this isn't some... So let's look at, I mean, we got to wrap this up in like five, six minutes, but let's look sure. at like Donbass right now, right? So it's like, we have to—we can't use, like, empty words, right? We have to—you know, we want to keep them as a buffer. We don't want them in NATO, but at the same time, we don't want Russia to get belligerent. So there's this whole—but we're talking about it very much as, like, what do we wish would happen? It's like this outermost sphere of our protection. We're like, we would like this, but we wouldn't like this. This is not that. This is This is Israel in a sea of holy fire that it's not— well, you know, how is this going to make our future doctrine look? It's them or us. It's crunch
1: time is what it is. It's,
0: it's, it's a black and white. There's no...
1: We pushed this, kick the can down the road as far as it can go.
0: Yeah. There's no, there's no, hey, the substitute teacher's not going to be here forever. There, there's none of this. It's, and and they've done, they've done this before, right? I mean, we helped with Stuxnet, but they've done it with straight up, was it Egypt? Was it the Egyptian... Uh, what was the what was the facility where uh, uh, Israel went and bombed and the fighter jets almost didn't have enough fuel to come back?
1: Oh, that, um, it, it, was, yeah, was that, that, that was that was um, that was in Iraq. Okay. with Saddam Hussein's Osirak reactors back in 1981.
0: Okay. So they've shown, but that's what I mean. Is so they've shown they don't. Uh, Gerald Bull, the uh, the weapons expert who uh, went and was taking With that money, long
1: gun thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He well, his whole his whole specialty was that you know for all these third world nations that couldn't afford these billion dollar weapons, what he could do Here's is take
1: your alternative.
0: Yeah, he could he could take old old World War One artillery and kind of. He was genius, yeah. um, and Saddam hired him. They wanted to have a westward pointing gun and an eastward pointing gun that could shoot. They wanted to shoot artillery shells, something like like two thousand kilometers.
1: It was a crazy distance that it would have theoretically, anyway, have been able to do that.
0: But and on one note it was impressive and interesting. But he was actually met. He was picked up in a van in his in his home where wherever he lived. I think Toronto, Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By some Mossad agents, and he, they brought in and basically said, "This is where we are." And this is what we're going to do. And he like politely declined. He left. They dropped him back off outside of his apartment. He went into his apartment building. Never made it to his door. A hit team took him out. I think kidon That that subset of they don't care, and nor should they. They don't care. It's
1: existential. Yes,
0: it does. Israel yes. is
1: just too small, and we've heard the Iranian leadership more than once say something to the effect of, um, "You know, you can hit us with." whatever you hit us with and, and we would lose X, uh, tens of millions of people, but Islam would survive. Yeah. We hit you, Israel, and you're obliterated.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and that's the truth. And they, they have an obligation. Yeah. They have an obligation to preserve their lives yeah. and their country and their sovereignty. That yeah. is an obligation. It's a Judaic obligation, but it's also a, an international law obligation they have the right
0: to to self-defense.
1: anticipatory self defense for one thing yeah absolutely um, but and that's where we're at right now
0: and so and so we're we're painting this whole picture of how it is an existential and justified defense of their nation okay like so but that that doesn't and you pointed out perfectly that doesn't exist in a vacuum They are on this planet with the rest of us. So whether or not we come to help, they're going to go hit them. Now, if that escalates, I mean, Israel had that old plan. I think it was called like the the Samson option. And it was where if they were ever invaded, they would detonate a ton of nukes like all around their border and basically set off every other nation's sort of like almost like uh, what uh, David Hoffman calls the dead hand, that sort of response. They said, listen, you're going to help us. Or, you know, you're going to get off me or I'm going to, you know, turn on the fire alarm and scream rape. Like everyone is going to get my is I'm going to get their attention. It's called the Samson option alluding to Bible where he gets. Yeah, There think,
1: was a uh, a project back around, um, I guess it was the early 2000s, I think, 2003, three four, And I think it was called the Daniel Project. I think you can still find it online and and it remains classified the conclusions, but enough of it. was was made public that it's what you're saying. It's what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and if I know about it, higher-ups of the U.S., I would hope they know about it. So they have to know that, like, we almost, if we won't put a red line down, Israel will, and Israel's actions then become our red line. So it's like, we're all tied in this domino system together. So with that...
1: On that cheery note, we, that. <laughs> we didn't get to China, but we can do that next we'll time. We'll do that
0: next time. We'll hit we'll hit that up next week, and uh, yeah, with that cheery note, I always leave these with a slight panic attack. And um, but that's why I love you, Claire, is because you 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 pull my head out of the sand and tell me to look at the blinding sun, and I scream and cry, and then I invite you back to do it again. So. <laughs> but,
1: well maybe not quite that 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 you that
0: know I, 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 I you know i have you on for that reason i will anyway. put your twitter in the description as well as all of your websites which you Thank sent you. me and what we were talking about beforehand i will I'll pass send that
1: to you yeah i'll mm-hmm. pass that
0: along i have one more podcast after this so i'll do it after that so i'll do it like in an hour fine
1: fine that's fine we'll get yeah. that
0: working see you next tuesday 2 p.m back Sounds to our right. original time or not tuesday thursday
1: uh thursday
0: mm-hmm. back to our original time 2 p.m okay Claire Lopez, thank you so much. Wonderful Patriot, my friend. Take care, everybody. God bless America. God bless. Stay safe, Claire. Take it easy, everybody.